Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and the Buffs won. The Buffs are going to the semifinals. Those are Friday night. That's a 6 o'clock Pacific time, 7 o'clock Colorado time. Tip-off on the Pac-12 network at the T-Mobile Arena against the number two Arizona Wildcats, our old friends. Um... We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Oregon game today. We obviously need to talk about this Arizona game tomorrow. And uh, first, I, I you know just gotta ease in, gotta set the tone here. It's a it's a little after eight o'clock right now, and it's been a long day. I, Vegas has this weird thing where basically every day is a time change. It's like every day you're in Vegas, the clocks just move by like ninety minutes, and so at Eight o'clock right now. I feel like I felt at nine thirty yesterday, which is what I felt like at eleven the first night here. And uh, tomorrow, during this basketball game, I'm, I'm gonna have to take a nap tomorrow. I'm gonna have to take a nap tomorrow. Vegas is winning because it's not even like I've been irresponsible. Like I've kind of just done normal guy things, and not even like Vegas guy, but just like things that happen. Uh, yeah, so. I'm a little tired is the point. If I say some dumb things, it's not because I'm, well, no, I'm going to say that. It's not because I'm actually dumb. It's because I'm just a little bit loopy on Vegas things. It's been busy. We uh, woke up, had a little work to do in the morning, had to had to do some ironing. Don't do that very often in my life, uh, but did some ironing. It went well for the most part. There's a little brown spot on my white shirt. It was a cheap white shirt because I know I can't trust myself with white things. Uh, from there, went over to, actually went to the Westgate Sportsbook, hung out with Chris Fuselay, you guys know him, uh, Blake Street Tavern, uh, got, got some food there, watched some basketball there, and then got back to the arena in time to see, I, I, I think we're inside the arena for the last five, six, maybe like ten minutes of that Stanford-Arizona game, uh, we watched some of it at, like, there, there was a Buffs pregame party that was, I mean... It's, it's weird talking about blocks in Vegas. Like, that's just not a realistic unit of measurement here. Um, I don't know meters either, though. It's close. I can say it's close. It's kind of like on the sidewalk on the way there. But that was fun. Got to see a couple people there. And what else happened? What else happened? Um, then I guess basketball. I guess it was basketball the rest of the way. 
Um, I had I actually had some really fun seats. Uh, they they put us so, so there's like two rows of media. So there's like the Oregon bench on the left. There's the Colorado bench on the right. The scores table in front, and then like a second row of media that kind of stretches all along behind there. It's how they set it up because there's like media behind the baskets. There's media on both sidelines because there's a lot of media at these tournaments. And for this game in particular. I don't think that there was a better seat than the one that I had. And the reason was because I was in between Dana Altman and Tad Boyle. And I don't know. I I don't know too much about their relationship. I've heard they're not the best of friends. Um, but, you know, it, it's fun to see those guys coach. You know, that's the thing about where we sit at CU is that you're kind of up in that corner. And you understand why it makes it so that you can sell the the seats next to the court. And it's like, yeah, that's really important. But also from a a reporting perspective, boy, is it nice just to be involved in all the action, to to hear what the coaches are saying, to to hear what they're saying to each other, to the refs, to the team, all that sort of stuff. Um, The conversation guys are having the bench, it just really does give you a, a better idea of what's going on. Plus, I mean, then you're also just right next to all the action. So I feel like I have some some thoughts about all of this that I, I wouldn't have otherwise had, which is uh, it's fun, and and I guess we can start with that. I I guess I haven't said this part. We can set the stage just a little bit more. Colorado won, as I mentioned earlier, eighty to sixty nine. They were down by six at half, or no, they were up by six at halftime. They were down eighteen to eleven about halfway through the first uh, first half, and. There was like a 12-0 run in there. There were some threes. There was a KJ dunk in there. But yeah, up by six at halftime. And in general, not a great first half performance. There was a lot of really ugly stuff. They could have led by quite a bit more. And some of it's just like the shot wasn't falling. You know, you get open threes, but they don't go in. It's like, dude, who do you blame for that? It's like the basketball gods? Like whoever decided that you're going to have to play your first game? of it? Whatever. Um, second half, though. Colorado just pulled away, um, shot half as many three-pointers in the second half. They uh, they they actually scored 22 points in the paint in the first half, 18 in the second half, but they shot three free throws in the first half and 16 in the second half. And so while the points in the paint might not show this, they, uh, they really did focus in on getting to the rim, and it paid off as that literally always does isn't that crazy like I get that it's really hard to coach basketball and to be out there and 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 think through the game and always make the right decision it's what makes Nikola Jokic so good I I forgot to mention this I'm just I've just been sitting here writing and watching this Nuggets Warriors game which is a lot of fun it's so much fun to see Nikola Jokic be better than the guys that people think are better than him but it's Jokic, he always makes the right decision. And that's really hard to do. And nobody does it in college basketball. But still, we all know that if you try to get to the rim, good things happen. Like, that solves so many of your problems. It's just like, yeah, just get downhill. Like, you get a layup, you get free throws, whatever. You you change the positioning of everything. You change, like, the, the weight of the defense, where those emphases are. It opens things up on the backside. You pull it. Like, it just, if you go to the rim... Good things happen. But for long stretches, you see teams not go to the rim. In the second half, though, Colorado just driving. K.J. Simpson, Keyshawn Bartholomew, um, Jabari even. I mean, those guys were, were getting downhill. Neek had some great drives in there. It was a, it was a really solid second-half performance. And 
They, they actually won the first half by more somehow. You know, that's a sign of a good team, right? Play bad basketball and you're winning. That's a sign of a good team. So there's there's kind of a general overview of the game. I want to get back to the fun stuff, though, because sitting between Dana Altman and Tad Boyle in a game where the refs could not keep the whistle out of their mouths, it was uh, it was a show for sure. And it was... It was crazy. Like, I legitimately wonder if, like, the refs just forgot to take the whistle out of their mouth and, and they would just be, like, running up the court and, oh, oh, took a breath. There was a whistle. Yeah, let's play this one off because it was all over the place. And as Tad said after the game, like, there were some missed calls, too. There was a lot. There were a lot of calls. There were a lot of missed calls as well. It was not a great night. And personally, I think everybody kind of got screwed over by it. There were a lot of players in foul trouble. Uh, for Colorado, Tristan De Silva and Neek Clifford both ended with four. Um, Neek only played 18 minutes. I would I would guess that he would have played quite a few more if he hadn't been in foul trouble. Um, we talked about Nefale Dante yesterday because he was he was the big man who basically ran over Oregon State's front court on both ends of the court yesterday. Just kind of dominated everything inside, opened things up for for the guys who were putting up 20 plus points in that game for Oregon. And I mentioned yesterday, you know, he had four points in both of his two games against Colorado. And so we, we see him be this huge, big-time impact player in that game. But also, we've seen against Colorado, for whatever reason, it, it, he's not somebody who, who you really talk about all that much. I mean, we didn't talk about him after those games. Today, four points again. Four points for Nafali Dante in all three of his games against Colorado. Does that matter? Not really. Kind of fun though, right? And I'm tired. Um, he was in foul trouble too, though. Is the point of this? He he only played 20 minutes. I guess that he would have played quite a bit more than that. Um, but but during all of this, Tad is yelling at the refs. Dana's yelling at the refs. The two are smirking at each other when the other one's yelling at the ref. The they're potentially throwing like a hey, you say something over there, like that sort of thing out. And uh, it was a, uh, I mean, it's a chess match because say what you want about Dana Altman, and again, I, I'm not, I, I like, I like Tad. I'll say that <laughs> sitting there, I like Tad after watching those two for this whole game. But say what you want, good, bad, whatever about Dana Altman, he is a good basketball coach. Like he's a solid coach. He knows his stuff. He throws those guys out there. He's, he's got these plans. He's coaching them up the whole time, and and to watch him and Tad go at it, not just like talking to the refs, talking to the scores, talking to the players, talking to whatever, but but just to see how they're tweaking things and what, what, what they're emphasizing, who they're telling to go drive. I, uh, I mean, I, it, it, was, it was a good time. It was a good time it, just watching those guys because there was some high-level basketball, and you kind of feel for them, right? Because they can't actually do anything. They they can't impact who wins the. I mean, they impact who wins the game, but not directly. You know, it's not like going out there and shooting the ball a lot or, or rebound or whatever. And so to have to say like, okay, here you go, eighteen year old, nineteen year old, and twenty year old. Here's what we're gonna do here. Please go do this. I. It's they're lucky it's not do or die situation, right? There aren't lives on the line here if the nineteen year old can't follow instructions. But but watching those guys go at it, watching their frustrations boil over, um, and 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 just how they handled themselves, like Tad down the stretch, you know, cooling things out, realizing, 
when to push, when not to push. And and Evan was going through those same things too. I mean, everybody on the court was because the refs really did struggle. And, you know, l- luckily it's an 11-point game because then you don't have to have these big questions about what would have happened. And I hate that we're talking about the refs this much, honestly. We're going to end this here pretty quickly. But it was... <sighs> It's one of those games where you say, I don't think that they really helped one team or the other, but whenever, like, if you make a bad call on this end and a bad call on that end, well, who knows, maybe this one's a bucket and that one's a turnover that leads to another bucket. And so it does just kind of change things regardless of whether the invisible hand is pushing things heavily in one direction or the other, you know? It can be pretty neutral and still change the outcome of the game. All these things just build on top of each other. That's how sports work. So... An 11-point win. I mean, the Buffs were very clearly the better team. They were very clearly the better team. I think that even even when they were down, even when they were down 18-11, 10 minutes into the game, you're still sitting there thinking like, yeah, there have been mistakes. But, I mean, first of all, those mistakes are typically they're driving down into the lane, Oregon's defense is collapsing, and it, it seemed like there were a few possessions in a row where they just didn't, Look like they're like okay, we're driving down the right side, balls in the right hand, driving down the right side of the lane, defenders on the right, get them down uh, like kind of to the baseline, turn back, and you're gonna have a bit of a layup. And it's like oh no, this guy crashed over, he's right in my face, and and now this is gonna get blocked or contested or or whatever. And that sort of thing happened a few times where it was basically as soon as somebody turned their back to the basket, there was a double from the other side and it was catching them just on the, a few possessions in a row. And again, good on Dana Altman. That's that's his call. And and you see that work like in action in front of you. From there, they, they kind of learn. It's like, okay, he's going to be there. Somebody's going to be open, figure things out. And so, so you did have some mistakes early on that you look at and you're like, no, guys, what are you doing? And and you can't just ignore that. But you could see what was happening. You could see what the adjustment was. And the adjustment was made. On top of that, there were just straight-up missed shots. Uh, the buff started one of eight from three. And I think all eight of those three-pointers were good shots. And, I again, that's that's basketball, right? It's not, it's not football where, oh, you blocked a really good hole. Guess what? That means there's nobody in front of you and you're just going to run for a touchdown. Like, oh, that's not how this works. It's like, great, you you got the best thing according to the metrics in basketball, which I guess maybe a layup, is, a wide-open layup is better. But an, an open three-pointer. Here you go. There's there's three points you can just have right here. That's what we're all looking for, at least the NBA. College basketball is different. Um, but it's still a very good thing to get. And it's like, oh, you shot one of eight. Just as easily could have been four of eight. Ooh, five of eight was probably just as in the cards as one of eight. And, and again, we talked about this yesterday, too. The... Yes, Colorado is the best three-point shooting team in the Pac-12 by the numbers. But also, going into a new gym and shooting a bunch of three-pointers early and expecting them to fall, like that's just what rarely, rarely happens in these situations. It, it I don't know why, because I'm not a shooter. I mean, it makes sense. Like, different background, like the rim, whatever. Whatever it is, it, it just doesn't seem like those are going to fall right off the bat. And and truthfully, even in the second half, they weren't falling. I, I think, like I said, they I think they shot 16 in the first half and then 8 in the second half. Um, first half, they were 4 of 16. Second half, they were 3 of 8. It's like that percentage isn't all that different. But it is... the 
you, it means you're doing other things than just shooting those threes when that number goes down. And that worked a lot. And if you're going to get through this tournament, if you're going to get through this tournament, then you're going to have to to make threes at some point. You know, and and that that day is tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day where you have to make your threes. Like it's just not. <laughs> then I think back to the actual game against Arizona. It's like, uh, they they really didn't shoot all that great in that game. But to do it a second time, you you're not gonna get by not making many threes again. Um, so so that part does need to come, and it just feels like you should be more confident in that the second time around once you have some shots under your belt in a game situation. Um, so so again, though, the point is that they're down 18-11 early in this game, and you're frustrated, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, the mistakes are kind of piling up, the missed shots are piling up, but still, there was a path out of it, and, and it's not like, it, it shouldn't have been a seven-point deficit. You know, it should have been a two-point deficit. Probably should have been about a two-point deficit. And it, and again, you're still not playing great basketball. From there, though, they, they started to figure things out. And I wouldn't say that they played like they did against Arizona or for the first 30 minutes against Utah, because that, that's not true. They, they didn't play that great. Um, but they did put together a, a, a good good performance. It was a better-than-average performance based on what we've seen this season. Much better based on the entire season. There were some rough ones early on. Um, there were some rough ones early on. Uh, we'll we'll dig into some of these numbers in a second, but that that seems like a good time to segue into some of the things Tad had to say after the game. And there was one in particular that really stood out to me, um, and he was talking about the NCAA tournament and talking about you know he realizes he he can't pound the table. Was his words? I can't pound the table for Colorado um, to be in the tournament um, because and he brought up like the loss to Southern Illinois. He he brought up like you're just. There were, there were too many mistakes for me to be saying we should be in the tournament. He did say at the same time, though, the fact that nobody's talking about another team. Like, you have Virginia Tech as a team that's on the bubble, and, and te- people are saying, like, could they get in? And he said they have one Q1 win. Colorado's three Q1 wins. And, and he, he was pretty direct, saying there are reasons for this. You know, there is an East Coast bias. ESPN in particular, he called out, saying ESPN has the biases that ESPN has. And, and those kind of just spread throughout the the ecosystem of college basketball, I guess. And, you know, he said, we're, we're sitting here in fourth place in a, in a power conference. We, we aren't even, like, in the conversation. Again, he said, like, we have our flaws, whatever. Um, but, but it was kind of a, an interesting moment. And he basically said, like, you just got to go in the tournament. That's what it is, and there's really nothing we can do about it. And there you go. Uh, capped it off. This is this is the line. Um, if you don't think we're one of the 68 best teams in the country, you're sorely mistaken. And he's right. You know, and it, like this is something that we've talked about on the podcast, where it's like, is Colorado a good enough team to get an at-large bid to the the NCAA tournament? Yes, yes, but it's based on resume, not just like how good is your team, um, and and the fact that they were not this good for most of the season, that really really matters. Um, but but we haven't heard Tad talk about this stuff all that much, and so I thought that that was uh worth bringing up, right? Worth bringing up. Let's uh, let's real quick talk about a couple of our friends, Breckenridge Brewery. 
is the best place to buy beer. Um, well, and it's not even just a place to buy beer because I guess at the farmhouse you could go buy Breckenridge beers from Breckenridge. Also at grocery stores or liquor stores or the bar or or restaurants or I that might be it. That might be it. The point is really really good stuff from Breckenridge. The, the Strawberry Sky is my favorite. They've got the good company hard seltzers now. They've been out for a while. Those have been around for like a year, but those are really, really good. Uh, you just can't go wrong, and they support us. They make so much of what we do possible. You know, the fact that we're able to bring four people down for these basketball tournaments, that would not be possible if we didn't have Breckenridge as a partner. They they are a really, really important group for us, and uh, that's why, like, if you guys are drinking Breckenridge beers, tag us in tweets, tag me in tweets, tag them in tweets, um, and just just let us know that uh, you're you're enjoying it because it feels good, right? It's like when when you tell somebody like, "Hey, go to a movie," and they're like, "I don't know if I." It's like, no, it's a it's a good movie, and they go and they come back, and it's like, yeah, that's a that was a good movie. I'm glad I did that, and then your heart gets a little bit warm because you're just like, yeah, I'm glad you like that movie. I'm glad that I could help you. Breckenridge Brewery, great stuff. Get in on that. Also. Athletic Greens. What athletics, Athletic Greens is, is basically this powder that you put into your water or a bunch of other things. Typically, water is, I mean, tip, water is the way that I do it. And you just stir it around, you shake it up, and then you drink it, and it's really good for you. They have all sorts of stuff in there. There's 75 high-quality vitamins. There's minerals. There's whole food source superfoods probiotics, adaptogens to help your day start off right. There's so much stuff in there that that is meant to help you in so many different ways. Gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all those different things. And that AG1 powder is, it's really good. Like it doesn't, I don't know, it's tough to explain. It doesn't really, like it's, I wouldn't say like you're drinking a milkshake, but it's also like, not it's like drinking water you know we're just like do i like the taste of it it's like yeah i guess i guess i definitely don't not like it right like and then that's the thing for me is that so many of these you drink and you're just like what is this this tastes terrible and who knows maybe that's because your body just knows it's good for you right i don't know but to make it easy athletics greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs that's athleticgreens.com slash b-u-f-f-s and you can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance okay back into this basketball game um what do we need to do here let's run through this box score see if there's anything in particular we need to take note of and then we will talk about arizona so there's the plan and then after that i'm going to get back to writing and what, it's like 8.30, so I'll write until like 10, 10-ish, and then I will do, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm going to do, because actually the other thing is right now, so Marissa and Justin and Ryan are all at that Rams game, which just ended, I think the Rams scored with like two seconds left to, to win and to move on to, I think they're also going to the semifinals tomorrow night, um, so that's that's kind of wild. Um, I don't know. Like, I know Justin's got hours of work in front of him. He will not be any fun for me tonight. But, like, Ryan, 
he has to edit like a vlog. There's probably video stuff from that game he needs to get to. Um, but could that be done? And then like, hey, want to hit Shake Shack at midnight? I love Shake Shack. Uh, but then also like Marissa. So, so I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I don't know if I have friends tonight. Um, Justin Guerrero is now in town. I'm definitely going to do something with him. Chris Fusile, I'll probably do something with him too. But the point is, I, uh, not playing till six tomorrow opened some doors for me that it would be all right if they were closed. Uh, let's keep going with, uh, talking about the buffs though, because that's why we're all here. Um, I think first of all, you have to start with Jabari Walker. Um, he's the second leading scorer on the team, puts up 18 points, six of 16 shooting, 16 rebounds he had another one of these games it's it's seriously it's every night now it's like 16 rebounds oh yeah this again it's like 16 again that's a common rebound number for you it's absurd it's incredible he was also tied for the team high plus minus with kj simpson who is a plus 12 just like jabari um no blocks tonight kind of surprises me i think there was a moment where you were a little bit worried about foul trouble but when did this third one come Third one came at the 13-minute mark in the second half. So, again, you see that, and you're like, ah, I mean, you don't love it. And I guess the second one came at the 8-minute mark of the first half, 8 minutes left. And so, both of those, you're in scary territory, but to his credit, he never, he never got that fourth foul. I mean, it's it, that's a talent. It's it's a talent. It's something that we talk about with guys all the time where it's like, I can't play him. He he's got three ta- three fouls. He's going to get that fourth and then all of a sudden you're you're on the edge of your seat or he has four and it's like, ah, better save him for the last 5 minutes. No, Jabari recently and this is this is a new development. Like over the course of the season he's gotten even better at it, but definitely from last year to this year a huge improvement. He's playing well when he has fouls. He's, he's finding a way to be productive on the floor, which can be tough to do, right? Because you try to be less physical. You take less chances. And that, that reduces what you can provide to your team. He's still playing really well, even when you're in those situations where he could get into foul trouble. Um, Jabari, like I said, just the, those little rebounds early, those those offensive boards early are so, so, so big. Just the when you're sitting there at 18-11, and they, they scored their 13th point, 12th and 13th points, on a missed shot from Keyshawn. The Jabari just grabs right underneath the rim, puts it back up, and there's two points. You, uh, you a couple possessions later, have Tristan Da Silva do the same thing, grab a board, and he gets fouled. And he goes one or two of the line. Buffs actually, did they ever get back over 70? Uh... Finish, finish at 68.4% shooting, 13 and 19 from the line. Not good. Needs to be better. But that's really all I can say about free throws. I can't sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, they need to put more arc on the ball. I think that would be – no, they need to shoot those better. Uh, and But but those extra points that you get, those extra possessions, those are just so valuable. They are so valuable, especially when you're struggling to shoot. You know, it, it could have gotten to a 10-point deficit. It could have gotten to a 12-point deficit. Who knows? Instead, they're able to put that little dent in, and all of a sudden, instead of 18 to 11, which could have been 20 to 11 on the next possession, 18-13, you're back within five. Just those little plays that Jabari makes, they are so, so, so valuable. And he's doing it against everybody. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like, you know, in the animal kingdom, there's like, if... If you're uh, 
if you're a bear, no, bears are weird for this stuff. Let's just let's say a let's say a wolf. You're a wolf. It's like if you're a wolf, you can go kill a a deer or a rabbit, and like you could eat a rabbit and you'd be very happy with it, um, and you could eat that. But but like an owl. An owl could also go and eat a rabbit, but it couldn't take down a deer. An owl's not taking down a deer. And meanwhile, a wolf could take down that owl, too. Jabari Walker is the top of the rebounding food chain. Whoever he is going up against on the boards, he is going to win. And not every time, but over over extended periods of time. In the Pac-12, Jabari Walker is the best rebounder. And that is the type of asset that doesn't get as much attention as it should. You know, top score, whoever's the best score in the league. Yeah, let's let's hype that guy up. You know, who's who's the point guard who's making all the plays? Having the best rebounder is incredibly valuable. And we're starting to see that pay off. If you pay attention though, is the thing. It's like, oh yeah, quick little two points there. They're easy to forget about. But how many four offensive boards? Four offensive boards. And offensive boards, especially when you're like Jabari working down in the paint as much as he is, those typically turn into easy points. So just really, really impressive stuff. Um, really impressive stuff from Jabari again. And again, 6 of 16 from the field, not that great. But then you remember, team is shooting 40%. You can get by it, especially when you're asking him to be your high-volume scorer on top of all these other things. Uh, it's just impressive stuff from Jabari. Great game. Uh, Evan, too. Evan had eight, 19 points. 12 rebounds, a pair of blocks, and it's that same thing where like he grabbed a couple of those offensive boards. On top, like he has just he's a monster out there. It's crazy. And I think for most of the season I was validated in my preseason opinion that Evan's numbers aren't going to go up that much. You know, Evan does what Evan does. You're not all of a sudden going to turn him into an 18 point per night guy. But I think I th- Tad brought this up after the game too, but I really think that it's right now that that three-point ability is really starting to 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 change the way that he's able to play the game. Um, here's here's the line from Tad Boyle: Evan is a matchup nightmare now. The way he's shooting the three ball, and it's totally true. And it's easy to say, well, yeah, but he was shooting really well three months ago. He was he was knocking down half of his shots three months ago. That's not new. That's not new at all. And it's like no, it's not. But now that he's been doing it for three months, and all these opponents are in do or die situations, there's like, yep, Evan Batty can knock these down. There's no more messing around. We got to get out on that guy. And so after these months, things are just opening up for him, and it's incredible. And he, he he's earned it. Like that's hours and hours and hours in the gym to adapt your game to the way that basketball is being played right now, realizing, saying, like, I am limited as an athlete. You know, I am I am not the big jumper. That's not me. I'm strong, I'm big, and I can I can make stuff happen under the rim. But to be a a a really good player in Pac twelve basketball, which is what he is, he is a really good Pac twelve player, I've got to add a jump shot. And he just went and he added a jump shot and it all worked out perfectly because it was a like it, first of all a very good plan and it was well executed and by that i mean he spent hours and hours and hours doing it um and and to see him have this success i mean he was the driving force in that first half he put up 12 points in the first half and uh, did anybody else 
So he was at 12. Jabari was at 7. Um, Keyshawn at 5. Uh, oh, Tristan De Silva also at 5. KJ had 4. So it's 12 points in the first half. Almost double anybody else on the team. He was keeping him afloat. And again, on 5 of 11 shooting. Rest of the team was 10 of 32. It's just... It, I, I didn't think that he could provide the things that he's providing. And that's a lot of fun to watch. And, and it I it opens doors. It opens doors the rest of this tournament. Um, who else we need to get to? Tristan De Silva did some nice things. He made a couple mistakes out there too. But uh, there was one possession in particular where you're just like, holy heck, that guy is good. Um, gets the ball. I think he drove down into the paint. Kind of gets a lot of traffic around him. Lets it all sort out. There's guys cutting. And then he realized, okay, now I got this guy. I can just give him the little one-two step and then bang, knock down a little layup. And just the footwork throughout, the ability to process the way that things were developing around him, the patience. You know, that's something that you rarely see from young players is that level of patience. And that that translates for him at this point too. Um, some foul trouble, but also two blocks, two steals, a couple turnovers, um, an assist, three boards, five and nine from the field. Overall, solid night from Tristan. Um, and, and for a lot of players, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it was a really good night. But Tristan, you know, we have high standards for him on this podcast. Uh, other starter, Julian Hammond. Um, he and We didn't talk about Neek, I guess. Neek, more foul trouble. Oh, we did earlier on. Eight, 18 minutes because of the fouls. Three of six, six points, three boards, an assist, a steal. There you go. Um, Julian Hammond, third on the team. As a plus 11. A plus 11. You look at KJ Simpson, a plus 12. Jabari Walker, plus 12. Evan Batty, 8. Luke O'Brien, 5. Bartholomew, 4. You've got Hammond there at that plus 11. You wouldn't guess because he didn't score until there were three minutes left in the game as a starting point guard. Finishes with two points on a pair of free throws. Uh, 0 for 2 from the field. Two boards. Four assists, two turnovers, and he he struggled at points defensively, but those guards drew some tough assignments tonight. Um, On top of that, I should say, Tristan Da Silva was put on just about everybody. They were really moving around his assignment. Just every substitution means something different for Tristan, and I think that... I think that that can be a real challenge. You know, it's nice when you're going up against the same big guy. You know, you're you're Evan Batty, it's like, oh, here's... Nefali Dante again. Wonder what he's going to do. Probably try to be big and jump. Oh, look. Tried to be big and jump. And guess what I did? I was bigger. I didn't let the jump work well. When you're moving around all these different matchups like Tristan has to, because again, he starts at the three, plays him at the four. I don't think we saw him as a small ball five tonight, but that's a fun look too. Um, he, he, You get points for that. Uh, Julian, Julian was a steady hand, and we talked about this quite a bit. We don't need to spend too much time on it, but KJ Simpson, Keyshawn Bartholomew, they provided a big scoring punch off the bench. 11 points for KJ. 9 points for Keyshawn. Uh, 7 boards and 6 assists for KJ. 5 of 11 shooting. That's a big night for KJ, too. Big, big night for KJ. Let's not forget about that. Big dunk when the Buffs are making that run. Um, but it, you, that's where you need that. You know, you don't need Julian Hammond and Luke O'Brien as your bench unit. You're, you're lacking a little scoring punch there. No offense to either of them. When you can bring in KJ and Keyshawn... Whew, that's a really fun bench. What were the bench points? 23 for, for Colorado, 10 for Oregon. It's a 13-point differential in an 11-point game. 
That doesn't mean that's a decided. I mean, you could look at the 28 point paint points for Oregon and the 40 paint points for Colorado and say, hey, look, there's a 12 point differential in point. But it is notable that that's what happened. Um, Julian, again, just good, solid, distributes the ball, lets other guys make plays, doesn't. You know, we talked about selfishness with Keyshawn. And it, again, he, when you're a shooter and your shot's not falling, it's easy to get called sh- selfish. If he was knocking down some of those tough shots, we'd be talking differently. But we did have a lot of those selfishness conversations with Keyshawn. And that's not Julian Hammond. And when you just let him distribute the ball and you move Keyshawn onto that bench where all of a sudden you're asking for him to take a bunch of shots, you're looking for scoring. You're saying, we need you to go in there and take a bunch of shots. It just fits so much better. And there will not be a change to this lineup. I, I'm I, Not that I've heard anything, just me saying, why would you do that? This is obviously the way things should be. Um, in terms of Arizona tomorrow, I think that after today, I am more confident than I was before today. I think. It's it's close. I'll say that it's very close. Um, and I'll start with Colorado. I'd say I'm a little bit less confident. You know, that poor shooting, some of the mistakes early, it was kind of a, a grind. And they totally figured it out and righted the ship, and we've seen them be that team. We've also seen them have a bunch of slow starts this season. And I, I don't want to say we thought those were over. Like, those will happen to any team. But I... It was disappointing to see. It was disappointing to see. So I'd say in terms of the the Colorado perspective of things, I'm a little bit lower on their chances. At the same time, I would say that I am much, much lower on Arizona. I am much, much lower on Arizona because, I mean, Stanford just about pulled off that win today. Stanford was very, very close to beating that team. And that's a team that I did not think that Stanford would be anywhere close to, to be quite frank. And so I do think that door is open. And we've talked about the other pieces here, and Tad did too. But basically, Arizona's trying to win a national championship. That's that's what, that's what the goal is. That's what the goal is. And they also want to win the Pac-12 tournament, of course. But, you know, the goal is the national championship. And because of that, I think it's a little bit easy to catch yourself looking ahead. And maybe that's what happened in this game. When it comes to Colorado, I don't think you're going to see them catching themselves looking too far ahead. That's one of the three teams that you've lost to this season, and it's Colorado. It's not one of the ranked teams that you lost to. It's an unranked Colorado team that's probably going to miss the tournament. When the number two team has a target on your back, it's not a good thing, and I've said that before on this podcast, and I'll say that again, and that is kind of the big X factor here is how does that play a role because I think Colorado also feels more confident because they have beaten them. And that is obviously very notable. But how do those two things balance out? I can't tell you. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that Tab Boyle today said basically the same thing. Those guys, they want to beat us. They will be ready for the Colorado Buffaloes. But we're ready for them too. So you'll like that. In terms of matchups, I mean, this is this is going to be a big game for defense for Colorado. you got to lock in and get stops against a really good team. Um, you you got to make some shots, some shots that you weren't necessarily making today. Uh, again, I don't think you got to get too far away from your formula. Get those offensive rebounds. Get some easy points. Get to the rim. Get to the free throw line. 
Knock down your open shots when you get them. Play good defense. Don't give them extra opportunities. Like, I sound like every basketball coach who's ever said words before, but that's the way the game works. This is That's what you need to do. Um, I do think that it is big news that Kerr Creesa is hurt. He, he hurt his ankle. They're calling it some sort of sprained ankle, and he... He, we don't know his status. Could he be back tomorrow? Potentially. I would guess he won't be. I would guess that he won't be. Um, I just saw, I guess he, he left in a wheelchair um, or was at least at one point sitting in a wheelchair. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Walking boot in a wheelchair. That's by the way, for, for those of you who may not have been paying a bunch of attention to Arizona all season, uh, Kerr Kreese, uh, is a guard, six foot three guard. He he lines up next to Benedict Matherin in that backcourt, and he's he's really freaking good. He's really freaking good. Um, puts up. Oh, there it is. Uh, ten points per game with five assists per game, two and a half boards per game. Um, just I mean, just a steady-handed point guard, basically. And he sets things up for the rest of that team. And when you lose a point guard, that changes some dynamics. So we'll see about all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen these two teams play. They Colorado can beat them. They just need to go do it. Uh, Arizona's a 10.5-point favorite. We talked about this a couple days ago, too. That's higher than I would have expected. I, of course, you expect Arizona to be favored. I thought that you know it was it was a ten and a half point favorite in Boulder, and I guess that would mean like a twelve point favorite on a neutral court, and so that probably I guess kind of makes sense. But you have seen Colorado beat them at the same time. It's tournament. You expect every team's best. I don't know. I thought it would be more like eight or nine points, um, which isn't that different. But that's what you're up against. That's what you're up against, and it's going to be a big challenge to beat this team. Obviously possible, and we'll find out. I'll be out there tomorrow to uh, see. I'll probably see more of you guys again tomorrow. It's always fun at these tournaments to see who's out here. And, uh, yeah, should be a good time. Should be a good time. We'll be at that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we get early or get to that uh, outdoor. Little, they have the roped off. They had some buff signs taped up, whatever they call that. Um, the alumni event by the arena, we're going to be hanging out there too. So hopefully you'll swing by. Hopefully I'll see you. Um, that's going to do it for today. Be back talking tomorrow after the game.